Welcome to the Christian Life Coach Collective. I'm your host and coach, Lauren Malone, and I'm here to help you become the hero of your own story and learn to be a guide to others. Whether you're a life coach in any niche or you want to become one, or you're just listening in so you can self-coach to lead your own life well, this podcast is here to serve you. I'm super excited to walk with you into your calling and help you create a wonderful legacy for your life. So let's jump in to today's episode. Hey friends, talking about some really deep stuff today. (laughs) So we're starting out with this truth bomb. People don't come with instructions. Wow. (laughs) Gosh, we wish they would, right? And it's a joke we often throw out there when like kids are born, we got a new baby or a big change of life comes. Oh, if only this season came with instructions. If only this baby came with instructions. But in reality, we actually do have a handbook that guides us regarding what we expect of other people as well as ourselves. We don't consciously think of it like that, but it's actually very real. It's very embedded in our like uh, what I call the brain Kindle, you know, like the Kindle app. (laughs) We have our own list of commandments written on our souls that we've inscribed over the years, and we expect others to have read the rough scribble on the stone. Thou shall not speak loudly or meanly to me. Thou shall not keep me waiting. Thou shall not be different than I am. Thou shall not be better than me. Thou shall not be beneath me. Thou shall not strike back. Thou shall not have your own feelings and needs without regard to mine. Thou shall not disappoint or hurt me. Thou shall not hinder my own wants and desires. Thou shall not work less than I do. Thou shall be judged against my own abilities, liabilities, and limitations. Thou shall be able to read my mind and act swiftly. Thou shall not discomfort or scare me. And on and on it goes. We've developed our handbook of expectations for the people in our lives. And it's this big book on the shelf in our soul and a lot of chapters. So I want you to think of Leo Tolstoy. Tolstoy, not Tolstoy. So sorry. (laughs) I like to throw the word story around, I guess. But he wrote a book in the 19th century called War and Peace. I don't know if you've ever read this before, but it is like 365 chapters. There's like four different volumes inside this one book. And at the end, it's like two different parts of an epilogue. It's, I think they say it's about a 38 hour read for the average reader. Crazy. And I'm actually thinking because like, People do this as a one-year challenge because there's a chapter for every day of the year. Because, you know, you'd actually be able to say, I've read one of the best pieces of literature from the 19th century. Like, you'd be able to say, yes, I've read War and Peace, one of the world's greatest novels. (laughs) So if you want to do that, maybe we'll like have a Facebook group of War and Peace, (laughs) 365 days. So think of this massive book. And when you open this handbook in your soul, where all your expectations gather and snowball and emerge from, 
you find a chapter in there for each person in your life. And maybe you have more than 365 chapters. And just like War and Peace, there's multiple volumes, like books within the book. Think of that as kind of like the seasons of your life. Within each season, there's a number of people with chapters about them. So does anyone actually know what the handbook says so they know what you want them to be doing and who you want them to be? Because that's what the handbook is. It's it's your rules and your expectations of how your friends should be, how your boyfriend should be, how your, you know, any significant other in your life, how your parents should have been, who these people should be in your life, who they should be to you, what they should be doing to meet all of your wants and your needs. It's the operating system that you want others to follow so that you can find your own personal satisfaction. And just like your phone, your phone's OS, the operating system has updates, you update your handbook anytime your needs changed. Or, you know, something just kind of hits your fancy and you're like, oh, I need people to be like that for me. But this doesn't allow for anybody to have a handbook, but you. (laughs) And if you believe that you'd be happy if other people simply did and were what you demand, though you're internally demanding it, you're not probably consciously thinking about it all of the time then you're honestly misleading yourself. And when you're misleading yourself, it means you aren't leading yourself well. And we often think that our own expectations are sensible and justifiable and rational. But is the rest of the world just like you? Because we can just assume not, or we wouldn't have so many problems with people out there not being who we want them to be right? But because of free will, you and all of your people have permission to do whatever you want to. And you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, regardless of how you try to justify it or say, no, I really have to, like, I have to because they want blah, blah, blah. No, in truth, no one controls you and you don't and can't control others. And we keep all giving it our best shot right? Like we keep trying to justify and control and shape and form all of the people in our life so that we can pursue and avoid the things that we want in our lives. Now, I believe that communicating what you want and need is a responsible self-governing act. However, when the person you share your wants and needs with doesn't do everything in their power to give you what you want or need, then it's really, it's fully your responsibility to manage how you respond to that. And it's impossible for any one person to meet all of your needs and make you feel the way you want to feel anyway. And the one who really knows what you truly need and what your heart's desires are, that's Jesus. And he's the only one who can actually do the work who did do the work of bringing you abundant life and complete joy. And you have to realize that everyone around you, they all have a handbook too, full of chapters. So how cyclical 
is it that you want others to make you happy and they want you to make them happy, especially during a season of big days like the holidays or weddings or birthdays or all of the things like it gets even more heightened than because our expectations and our anxiety and our worst case scenario planning that all gets heightened, right? But you don't find joy in being controlled by others and they don't find joy in being controlled by your handbook. So first and foremost, you have to become responsible for yourself. You have to become the story maker, someone who sees themselves and is aware of your own expectations so you can lead yourself well. It means, you know, just putting the power of that pencil back in your own hand, being the one person who can change and control and lead you into the way that you want things to be. Remember that when you make others responsible, you're giving away your own true power. And they usually, they're not receiving that power and doing something great with it because they're struggling to be responsible for themselves. Much less are they capable of being responsible for your own thoughts and emotions and interpretations and actions and narrative belief system. Like you have to go take that pencil back. And listen, nobody's even going to try to keep it. It's exhausting to try to hold somebody else's pencil, like write there somebody else's story when you're struggling to write your own, to how to manage, you know, somebody else's power over them, their own inner life, over their own spirit and soul, much less, you know, all of the people in your life. It is too hard to do. So just simply internally take the power of that pencil of your story back from all the people that you've given it to in the form of blame specifically go find your own piece of paper and start actually developing the narrative you want to live from and go turn it into like a beautiful story about you a son or a daughter and your loving dad Turn it into a story about being a co-heir with your brother Jesus and about living with the power of Holy Spirit inside of you. Let it be full of life and fruitfulness rather than a set of rules and your own personal handbook religion that other people are supposed to be the followers of. And you need to be aware um, of all the people that you've created a chapter about in your life. So you have a chapter for each of your parents and all of the parental figures in your life. You have a chapter for each of your significant others, namely your spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, each one of your children, your siblings, a chapter for each friend, each coworker, each boss, each leader, each pastor, (laughs) a chapter for every member of your extended family, every neighbor, the list goes on. It's a very long read. And the longer you live, the more people in your life, the more chapters you write. And the less aware you are of yourself and your expectations, the less willing you are to take responsibility for yourself. And the more power you give away with each chapter you write, (laughs) with each expectations you have of others to make you happy or whatever it is you want to feel, the heavier your handbook becomes. 
and you're literally dragging it around with you everywhere. You're, you know, you're taking it to the Christmas parties and to work and the gym and to church and you walk through the neighborhood and every time you hang out with your friends, you, you know, you're keeping it really close to you and holding it dear when you feel threatened and you wouldn't want anybody to see it. So you keep it pretty hidden. In fact, I think most of us have hidden it so well, we're unaware of it ourselves. And thus we live, you know, kind of with the anxiety that something is out of alignment pretty much all of the time. And yet we can't quite put our finger on it. So I'd also say that you have a chapter for each version of you that you've created for each season and all of your roles and responsibilities. So it's a chapter that defines who you think you should be, what you think you should do, and how you think you should operate. And you're probably constantly letting yourself down if you're holding yourself up against this version of you in the handbook. So the work I suggest you do around this isn't to chuck the book into the sea of righteousness and, you know, kind of wipe your hands on your leggings and say, there, you know, I took care of that. (laughs) I'm not the person who has any expectations whatsoever. I take full responsibility for myself. I never need anybody else ever again to help me feel anything. No, that's, first of all, that's just not sustainable. That's not going to be the way human nature leads you. I'm going to suggest that you actually take some time to figure it out. Like what, what are you expecting from each of these people in your life? I'm saying you actually need to get the handbook out and read it. Become more aware of what's happening behind the scenes that has been so normal from, for you to live from it. Then you can actually start to see what it is that you've been wanting and needing all of this time and really recognize how others have let you down because they simply can't meet all of your wants and needs. Then you can actually grieve the loss of, and the disappointment of all of your expectations and let that actually process through your soul and through your body and let it out, you know? So what are you wanting the people in your life to be and do? And now, like, why do you want them to be and do those things? So how are you actually letting yourself be affected by what they do and who they are? And how are you allowing their behaviors and actions to influence your inner life, your paradigm? your soul, what you think and feel leading to how you behave and what you do. So you want others to change who they are so that they do what you want and become the people you believe you need them to be. But I want you to consider this for a minute. If someone did change and give you what you right now believe you want or be who you believe you need them to be, would that change anything for you internally? Because that's just a situation or a circumstance. Whoever they are, how they're acting, what they're doing is simply a circumstance in your life. What those people do does not change who you are in your soul. It doesn't shift your paradigm. You do that. So would you still be you believing what you believe, wanting and needing things, and wishing things were different in order for you to be different, in order for you to find satisfaction or fulfillment or whatever it is you're looking for? 
If you believe that others are the reason you are who you are, that they are the reason you feel what you feel, and they are the reason that you behave the way you do, then you're not leading yourself well. And ultimately, this impacts your storyline and your legacy, all the results of your life in a massive way, and it's all on you. Now, it's your responsibility to accept this and take it to the Lord because you don't have to do it all on your own. You do this with him. He wants to be there with you. But as long as you're waiting for other people to change and blaming other people and circumstances for who you are internally, you will never get a chance to like really recognize how you can bring all of that to the Lord and let him walk with you through it. So what other people do, who they are, how they behave, is simply the situation or circumstance that you then interpret to mean whatever you interpret it. So if my daughter at dinner says something that's sarcastic, my interpretation of that might lead me to laugh, but it might lead my husband to be offended or hurt. Same thing happening, it all comes down to the interpretation. And if my husband interprets what she says as mean, but I interpret it as like, oh, that was humorous, that was like really witty, then she doesn't need to change who she is. The only thing that needs to shift is my husband and I having an interpretation. We would have to actually go have a conversation and say, I interpreted that as she was being funny and making a joke. And he would have to communicate that he interpreted it as being mean or offensive. Then we would have to say, like, what do we believe about our daughter's heart? And do we believe she would intentionally set out to hurt either one of us? Right? So it, like, it comes down to, what do we believe about her heart now? It's not even just about the circumstance. It's about recognizing we both had an interpretation about the same exact circumstance. And because that circumstance and that situation revolved around our daughter, we'd have to determine what we believe about who she is and her intentions. Would she verbalize something at the dinner table to intentionally try to hurt her father, hurt his feelings? Or was she just trying to be funny? Or was she actually trying to hurt somebody's feelings, but I interpreted it as funny because I overlooked her true intent? It really comes down to the interpretation. It sounds pretty crazy. It's almost too simplistic. (laughs) But if the others do what you want them to do, and they are who you want them to be, then you feel good about everything. You think they care about you and they love you and they value your relationship, right? And then they go and deviate from your plan (laughs) and you interpret it as the opposite, meaning they don't care or love or value you and their relationship with you. The reality, however, is that they are just people with free will And they can do what they do and be who they are, regardless of what you want from them, regardless of what your handbook says of who you want them to be, how you want them to behave and operate. They can behave and operate in the way they choose to. 
your handbook chapter on each person and how they're supposed to operate is, number one, nothing they're aware of, number two, nothing they can measure up to, up to, and number three, simply a form of control that doesn't create true connection. So if you're always looking at the people in your life to meet your needs and make you feel what you think is a good thing to feel, you're never actually going to find true contentment and connection with them. You're going to cycle through the sabotaging belief that others are in control and have power over how you think and feel and believe. And when you don't take responsibility for your own paradigm, you will allow your belief system that is out of alignment with God's will and with truth to lead your soul. Essentially, you're confusing true connection with feeling pandered to and taken care of um, based on what your expectation of what that looks like. And depending on your narrative belief system and the root motivations behind what you believe, think, feel, and how you act, you're going to interpret the world around you based on your perspective. And all of the people you've put into your handbook chapters will be held accountable to the expectations and rules you've set in place for them. Makes me think of that scripture. Um, you know, just we're made in the image of God and how we can easily um, kind of try to create other people and who decide who they should be in the image of ourselves. We want them to meet our needs rather than conforming to the image of Jesus ourselves. We want to see other people conform to the image of us or the image of who we want them to be rather than recognizing the father in them because they're made in the image of our father and creator. So here's the issue. Everybody at your Christmas family party, <laughs> they all have their own handbooks and you are actually in a chapter of each one of their books yourself. <laughs> they, they also have a chapter or more than one chapter on themselves in their handbooks. And they all have different narrative belief systems than you do, causing them to interpret their world and your actions and your behavior based on their perspective and interpretation. So if I've lost you, I want you to rewind and listen again, then come back to me, <laughs> come back to center. So you you sabotage yourself when you live like your life will only be right and you will only feel good when other people are what you want them to be. The truth is you'll never live a life surrounded by people who are all that you hope for. Yes, you can communicate better and you can move past things and forgive. But if you life, live life believing that fullness of joy, abundant life, and all the good, warm, cozy feelings you hope for are wrapped up in who other people are to you and what they do that makes you feel warm inside, you're going to simply keep cycling through negativity and hopelessness and dissatisfaction and control. But when you realize that no one actually makes you feel a certain way, you simply feel a certain way on your own because of your interpretation of what they do and don't do. So let's dive into an example. Let's do a fun one that every client loves. Let's talk about your mom. <laughs> so 
your mom is probably a good person and you know at some level that she did her best. Though you might wonder why her best 100% was less than your 30%. (laughs) So, but that's an entirely different podcast. Not a different episode. Like an entirely different podcast with like a different title and artwork. (laughs) So we're not going to do that right now. Now, you probably have to be with your mom sometime around Christmas or have had to in the past. And let's just say your mom always has something to say that's kind of like barbed wire to your ego. Like there's always this one sentence that comes out of her mouth that makes you feel like you just bit down on a huge chunk of black pepper and all your water's gone. <laughs> and now, now it's the holidays and your family comes together and you... You know, you probably know one of your sisters is going to get away with an excuse that keeps her out out of dinner. She's hiding. And you, you know, a brother is going to placate your mom and tell you you're overreacting. And maybe, you know, your dad will tell you, oh, you know, your mom loves you. And whether she's right or not, you need to be respectful because the Bible, Bible, after all, tells you to honor your mother and father. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) the problem is, is that every year you wonder Why does she have to bring up the same thing time and again? Well, she has a perspective and a belief system that's ruled her life for decades. Maybe she's done some personal work and become more aware over the years. Maybe not. But regardless, you find that you suffer to some degree when you're with her, especially like maybe she gets stressed out from the holidays, right? So Feel free to exchange the mother in this storyline, like change out the character for anybody else who fits these circumstances best in your world. So your mom also has a handbook and it tells her what she expects from you as well. So you have a handbook and she has a handbook and neither of you have a clue about what the other's handbook says because you hide it and you don't communicate it. I want you to realize That for every time she hasn't colored inside the lines as a mother based on who you say she should have been for you, you also haven't measured up to her handbook either. And if you're justified in what your expectations are, then the natural law of things says then she's justified in what she expected from you, her child. Now, the fun is just getting started here. So let's go down this road a little bit. Your mom also has a paradigm of beliefs and thoughts, and imaginations, and emotions that have led her through her life, and you're not privy to them. Just like her x-ray vision does not help her to know everything there is to know about you, right? Only Holy Spirit, you know, God the creator, he's the one that knows all the things. He's the one that's counted all of the hairs on your head, (laughs) and all the ones that we've lost. (laughs) So, I want you to think about the fact that she is actually a person with a soul and maybe she has a walk with Jesus. Maybe she doesn't, but God is not willing that even one should perish. And if she does not know the Lord, God's after her. He wants to bring her into the kingdom. He wants her to have fullness of truth. And if she does have Jesus in her life, God still wants to grow her. Her soul, even if her her spirit has been fully redeemed, her soul is going through a redemptive process. And she is not perfect yet. And you're just like her. You're in process and not perfect yet. But if you hold her 
up against what your handbook says about her, you're constantly going to be interpreting things out of whack, out of alignment with what's really going on inside of her because she's your mom and her intentions towards you are not to wound you all the time. She likely herself is wounded. Hurt, pe- you know, that whole hurt people, hurt people, healed people, heal people. Well, maybe she's just not a healed person that can help bring healing to you yet. And maybe God's going to provide other people for you. I like my mom did not bring healing into my life, but it actually put me in a situation where I became passionate about being a mother and a spiritual mom and a mentor to other people because of the lack in my life, not because I had it perfectly and not because I had the world's best mom. It's honestly, it only comes from the place of the, uh, the pain and the suffering of not having a mom that was able to give me what my handbook said I needed and wanted from her and that I should have been able to expect that from my mom. But the problem was is that we live in a fallen world and all of my expectations of perfection, they only manifest in heaven. They're not going to manifest on this earth with a bunch of broken people. And the longer I sit in expectation that all of these people should like manifest heaven on earth to me for me, I keep myself in a cycle of self-sabotage, pain, and really needless suffering. So who are all of the people in your life that you wish would change so that they can make you happier? (laughs) This This also is different than like the roles and responsibilities inside of a family or at work. This is about you and your inner life being dictated by the actions and behaviors of other people as opposed to you being responsible for your role in your own life, right? Your inner life. So I also want to talk about the difference between shame and guilt in this context because when you let others know that who they are isn't lining up with your handbook, that who you want them to be for your own benefit and comfort and ease and happiness is out of, out of order, it, it brings shame to them. You could probably think about other people who, you know, you don't feel like you're who they want you to be and how it brings shame about, it says like, this is who you are, you're not enough or you're wrong. It's different than guilt, which says, you did, you did a thing wrong. You're not wrong. You just did a thing wrong. And you really, you know, simply, you need to um, admit to it and repent for it, whatever, ask for forgiveness, right? That's guilt. You can just say, I ask you for, I'm asking for forgiveness when you're guilty of something. And God immediately restores us with his forgiveness. It's different than shame which there's no answer to shame because shame and condemnation are from the enemy. They're not from the Lord. The Lord will say, you are guilty of this, but I have completely forgiven you and wiped away your sins because of Jesus. But shame and condemnation come because the enemy wants to keep you in a cycle. And our handbooks 
can keep us in a cycle of shame and casting shame, not just casting blame, but casting shame onto other people because they're not lining up with the expectations of our handbook. And guilt says, you didn't do what I asked you to do. You know, like maybe, maybe you have a teenager. Okay. I'm going to have a few of those. You didn't do what I asked you to do before you left home today. So now you have natural consequences of like when they were little, they would lose dessert. Um, but now it's like you lose time on your phone or use of the car, etc. Right? Well, if your child didn't do what they were responsible for doing, then they're guilty of something and it simply points to something they did. But that's different than creating the sense of shame about who they are in relationship to their ability to form themselves into exactly who your handbook says they should be. So when it comes to your own parents, did your mom and dad actually have language for this? Did they read a book back in the day on how to parent you with grace and how to teach you self-governance in life? Probably not, right? The books and information about parenting we have today far surpasses everything written over the past centuries collectively. (laughs) And then you have to consider that your parents were taught by their parents who even knew less about all the differences in like personality and gifting and calling and all the things like neurodiversity and sensory differences, ADHD, ADHD, and like all of the things that we're more of like aware of today. Yes, they did the best they could. No, it didn't measure up to what you wrote in your handbook. And no, it was never going to measure up to what you wrote in your handbook. Nobody is going to do that. Jesus is the only one. And actually, whatever you write in your handbook about him, he's so past it, you don't even know what to write. (laughs) So, um, you know, you can communicate to others what you want and need, but you don't have to tie, uh, you don't need to tie what they do to your own inner life operating system and your own joy and your beliefs and your how you behave. So they made me angry is actually never true. They did a thing or said a thing. You interpreted it in a way that made you angry. Your mom said, well, you haven't called us in months. Well, you interpret this as whatever, overbearing. And you might think to yourself, well, I don't have to call you or I'm not at your beck and call or no wonder I don't call you because you're going to be, you're going to berate me instead of just being glad I called when I did. Your mom, however, on the inside is having a different conversation with herself based on her own interpretation. And it might sound more like, I don't know why she doesn't call me. I don't know if I did something wrong. And we haven't really deeply connected in a very long time. And I always seem to say the wrong wrong thing. And I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just not as good of a mom as she deserves. Or maybe she's thinking, I wish I knew how to express my sadness to her about the distance between us. But whenever I feel sad, it comes out as anger. And I just don't know what to do about that. I hate that our relationship is more and more like my own relationship with my mom. And that scares me, which causes me to feel mad because I hate feeling afraid. So then I'm caught in a cycle and it would just be easier if she would just be the one who changed and be the person who shifted this whole thing because I simply don't know how to do it. What if that's what your mom is thinking? Oh gosh, that's like a whole different 
completely a world away from your own interpretation. And she doesn't know that you're thinking, I wish mom could just be nice at dinner. Even just be silent and peaceful for once because I miss her being happy instead of so stressed out. What you do know, what you do hear is your interpretation of the situation. You're interpreting what she's saying based on your history and how you think she should be as your mom. And she's interpreting things based on her beliefs about how her daughter should be treating the woman who raised her and supported her the best way she knew how. So there's actually, I don't know if you've ever heard of Francine Rivers, one of the best Christian fictional authors, especially like historical, biblical fiction. Amazing of our time. And she's got two books that really help you see external perspectives. Collectively, they're called Marta's Legacy. It's two books. One's called The first one is Her Mother's Hope, and then the second one is Her Daughter's Dream. And I read these books when my mom was still alive, maybe 10, 15 years ago, and I bawled my head off. So it's the story of three generations of women. So you get to see the first woman's life story as she grows up, and then she has a daughter, and you see how much they love each other, then you see them like disconnect. Then the daughter has a daughter, and you see how much they love each other, then you see them disconnect. Then you see the connection between grandma and the granddaughter and how meaningful it is. And I just wanted to like sit all these characters down and say, listen, I know more about each of you than any of you know, any of you know about one another that you don't know. And I want to help you get perspective because then you can find healing and reconnect because each of you are valuable just as you are, but you're all expecting the other to be something you they can't be to you based on your own expectations. So can I please, please help you? Like, (laughs) I just remember going, ah, if only somebody with this external reader's perspective could sit these people down and say, you're all wrong. I know better. (laughs) And I, it happens all the time in coaching where I'm just like, oh, I wish I could just help all of you see. And there's, I've done a lot of like conflict resolution and mediation over the years. And it, when I'm able to come in and bring this external perspective and help them all debrief and see each other, like pull out the inner truth, it is so amazing. And everybody cries and hugs each other at the end. And I wish that we had more of that in our own lives, people to actually help us see that we're living from our handbook, right? So you can choose to surround yourself with people who do show up for you and who like being with you the way you are without controlling you to be who they want you to be and people who know who they are themselves. But there are a lot of people in your life you don't get to choose. Your, you know, your family and coworkers and neighbors, all the people who just like show up in your life and they're there and you can either live like they're against you based on the fact they don't follow the rules of your handbook or you can let them be who they are and let them see you set an example of living with responsibility for yourself leading yourself well. You can live like you can't control anyone but yourself. So ultimately, I know this has been a long episode, but it's really been on my heart to share this with you during this season of big days. My suggestion to you during this holiday season, when expectations are high and situations are highly triggering and emotions can get really high, bringing rationale to like a lower level, I want you to remember you're capable of managing yourself. 
And remember that you alone can manage your paradigm. You alone can manage the shifting of your thought life of laying down the handbook. You alone can voice what you want and need and still allow others to be who they are authentically. So what if you were no longer super concerned about others being and doing what your handbook says? I'll tell you what can happen. You can find peace. You can decide for yourself how you're going to respond instead of getting so reactive. You can decide to allow your thoughts to be creative about how to honor the one in front of you and leave reactivity behind you. You can allow yourself to interpret things with God's perspective and their perspective rather than demanding that what you believe is true or your interpretation is the only right one. You could actually let the people in front of you explain what's happening for them. Like what's their interpretation? What is their narrative? What are they thinking? What is their intention? Or if you can't do that, you can just go to Jesus and ask him to help you understand and forgive and operate with grace. I'm saying we all have an ex- a handbook of expectations, and it's got a chapter in it for each person in our lives, even groups of people. But what I encourage you to do is to continually try to lay that down and instead create a journal of expectancy. And this is what I would put in the journal. Promises that God has given you, both promises from the Bible and promises from personal experiences and conversations you've had with them. I would put everything thankful, like all gratitude and thankfulness. And then I would combine that with communion on a consistent basis, not just Christmas and Easter communion, right? I would put in there stories of God showing up for you. I would put in there stories of others showing up for you how God and others in your life are taking care of you and being who you needed them to be, even if it's not what you thought you wanted or needed, but it turned out to be. It was worked together for good. And I would put in there all the hopes and dreams and desires in your heart that you want to see come to pass. And anything that shifts your heart into a place of expectancy that God is for you, that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is true, and that your handbook doesn't have to rule or ruin your life. What's this do for you? It helps you have hope for the others in your life instead of comparison and anger and disappointment. And it helps you think new thoughts and get curious about what God might be doing in their lives. It helps you actually set your mind on things above instead of dwelling on what's going wrong based on what your handbook tells you should be happening. So your handbook is something that you can actually lay down. And when you find that you picked it up again, because you will, lay it down again. Like, that's grace, right? That's God's mercy and grace in our lives. We pick up the stuff he says we don't have to carry. And then we just go back and lay it down again when we realize we picked it back up. There's no shame or condemnation for us in Christ because he's like, I knew you were going to pick it back up, but I'm still with you and you can keep laying it down again and again. And you're likely never going to live life on earth without a handbook to some degree, but you have permission to be in progress and you can begin to learn how to manage yourself and write your own story powerfully and allow yourself to just 
navigate life the best way that you can, regardless of the fact that everyone around you has a chapter of their own expectations of you in their own handbook. Just do the best you can. Give yourself grace and be understanding about it. Set an example and love the one in front of you while they are grasping tightly to the volumes of war and peace in their own arms, right? So Merry Christmas, friends, and I pray that this blesses you in a way that can help you through this season with a new perspective filled with more grace and truth, both for yourself and for others, because they matter. And it's it's just time to lead yourself well and become the hero of your own story. And when others see that happening, that's going to help them guide, be, guide them into truth and into joy as well. And you can pray for them that God will be right on time in their story, just as he is in yours. All right. Bless you. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening. And I would love it if you could leave me a review wherever you listen to this podcast and tell me what you're loving about it. It helps other people who are looking for transformation and change and growth in their lives find me. And if you want to learn about becoming a coach with any of your superpowers, head over to sterlingandstonementoring.com and check out the greenhouse course. See you there.